Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of the Max Potential Habits podcast. Today, I am super psyched to have on the best-selling author of the 12-week year, Get More Done in 12 Weeks Than Others Do in 12 Months. And I want to share with you all, if you've worked with me before or you've watched my videos, listened to podcasts, you know that I plug this guy all the time. We have on Brian Moran, who is the CEO and founder of Brian Moran & Company. As I said, he's a best-selling author and should be because this book is incredibly useful to help you implement strategies that are going to take your business to the next level. If you're here listening, you all know that this is the place for tips, tools, and inspirational interviews to help you optimize your habits so that you can thrive and take your business to the next level. And Brian Moran is the main reason. I I, I was introduced to this book by, I think it was actually by uh, Before the Millions, DeRay, on his podcast. We were having a great conversation. He said, you got to check out this book because I had told him I do a quarterly plan. I read it and I was like, okay, this guy has got to come on the show. And he is, I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the show, Brian. Yeah, great to be here with you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into being a business? Do you call yourself a consultant, a coach, a trainer? All of the above. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. So, um, Without getting too much detail, I started in UPS paying my way through college. I was working evenings. My parents just weren't in a position to pay for it. They offered me a promotion into management, and I was getting a degree in physiology to be a strength coach, but I loved it, and that set me on a completely different path. Uh, Moved to California, got in with PepsiCo, joined a consulting firm, moved back to Michigan, um, really struck out on my own after that, and started working with some local clients, and, and just really focusing on how to help business owners, CEOs, leaders be more effective. And that's, that carries through to what we do today. But that's, so that's the, that's the quick version of it. Okay. Super quick. What do you think, what do you think intrigued you about doing this as a business and, and taking it on as, you know, I always think about people leading an inspired life and stepping into their path and loving what they do, especially trainers and consultants tend to be in that version. So what, what was it for you that brought you down that road? Well, you know, the, it started when I was in, in corporate America, um, in leadership, just realizing the impact leaders have, you know, and, and the responsibility to be the best leader I could be. So I got switched on pretty early into, I'm just, you know, I had a degree, but I really learned from reading and trying and back listening to tapes back when they were on tapes before CDs and podcasts, even listening to that stuff in my car and just taking in as much as I could and really uh, applying it in the roles I had. And so I got, I got really excited about me growing as a leader, me growing as a person, and then the impact I was having as I, as I applied it and I taught it to others, which ultimately led to you know, what I do today, which is probably the most rewarding of anything I've done in my career is, is because it's the impact. Yeah. Yeah. You have a broad, broad reach. You, I know you train, tell us a little bit what you've turned it into. So Brian Moran and company, what, exact, what do you do exactly in that role? Yeah. So our, our mission is to change lives. Okay. <laughs> that's our, that's our mission. We have three guiding principles, dream big, serve others, do great work. And so we work in just about every industry at every level. Um, you know, our, one of our primary industries is financial services. And what happens is those guys give our book out 
to their clients, which are business owners. And so we literally worked in about every industry. Our, our latest claim, Amanda, is that we're intergalactical. You know, we've been international and global for years, but there's a company that um, goes out to asteroids and mines them for precious metals, and they use the 12-week year. So, so we got that going for us now. Nice. Too, but, uh, I yeah, love that. So you know, so oh, it's great. Go for it. Yeah, I, I love that. I always think about when, uh, as your vision expands, as you grow. So you, you know, at first when you start out, let's say even as a kid in the developmental stages, you start out with a vision of like, what's my week going to be like, and then what's my month going to be like, and then year, and then it expands out. Oh, how can I serve my community? And you've got the galactic, cosmic, universal. Yeah, impact. there you go. So that's go. awesome. <laughs> yeah, huge, huge fun. vision. I think, what do you think about that in terms of visioning and driving your business in a certain direction? At, at what stage of the game did you start to up-level and notice that you were really driven to have that big of an impact? You know, it was pretty early on that I, that I realized I wanted to have an impact like that. Mm -hmm. um, came from a very middle-class family, great family, though very, my mom and dad were very intentional about building family identity, what it means to be a Moran, and we do that with our, our family too. But somewhere along the line just realized that um you know i wanted to have an impact and, yeah. and it started as i got into leadership and then when i went on my own i saw an opportunity to really expand that and you know the book we wrote interestingly amanda you know a lot of people write a book and then they try and build consulting or training around it our book just documented what we were doing with our clients mm -hmm. and i think that's part of the reason why it's so successful yeah um, that's because it was it wasn't something that we put out as theory and then had to go prove it it's what we were doing and was working and we start, sort of called out all the things that didn't have an impact and didn't have an effect and that, yeah, yeah so a that's different useful. approach I really, I value that approach. It's something I've noticed in growing my own business is that I think when you're starting out and you don't yet quite know what you're doing, <laughs> you know, you, you put ideas out there and then test them. But I've yeah. noticed that it's so much more useful when I'm go, Oh, I've worked with all these people and I see what has worked. And now I create a system of formula theory around it. It's it's a yeah. really valuable approach for the people that you get to work with. Let's talk about, well, first, I want to say, what, what have been some big challenges for you in building your business? Just for listeners, you know, everyone here is, or not, maybe not yeah. everyone, but most people are business builders, and we all face challenges along the way. So I like everyone to know that they're not alone, and that it's just par for the course. So what are some big challenges you've faced and overcome? Yeah. In business? Probably the thing most of your listeners have had to go through or they're right in the middle of. <laughs> and, and that is, you know, as a, as a business owner, um, we've had to change our, our business model a number of times. You know, we had stuff that was really working and then the marketplace moved on and we had to, we had to um, try some new things. And some of it didn't work the way we had hoped and some of it did. So I, I think the biggest obstacle that we face constantly is, is just this notion of getting better and staying in the game and trying to figure out um, you know, what, what our clients want and need and how we can best deliver that. And mm. that's constantly changing yeah. because the marketplace is always evolving and moving. And just, just when you think you got it cornered, you know, then it, then it moves a little bit. So, and I think that's a pretty, pretty common challenge for all the business owners we work with. You know, it's easy to get discouraged in that and feel like, you, you know, you, you just figured it out and now it moved again. But that's yeah. the nature of it, right? Yeah. And that and the success curve isn't straight up. I think a lot of the stuff you hear today, you're led to believe that the success curve is just this almost 
uninterrupted straight curve when it's not mm-hmm. it's a bumpy line it's a jagged line and and when that's not happening for you like you think it should it's easy to get discouraged and go well something's wrong with me when the reality is is that's the process right it's never it's never all straight up uh, there's bumps along the way there's challenges and what makes the entrepreneur or the um, the business owner, the leader so effective is staying in the game, holding that ambiguity, holding that uncertainty and still being able to, you know, perform at their best day in and day out. Oh, that's so powerful. I think that something that sets the entrepreneurs, business owners aside that succeed is that right there is not having the unrealistic expectation is that it's going to be all up and all easy and all fun and all good. Right. <laughs> Right. I talk to people a lot about, you know, you know, you're an entrepreneur when you're willing to offset pleasure in the moment for pleasure in the long run. You can handle the ups and downs and evolve with it and be adaptable and keep that mindset yeah. fixed on long term success. So that's, yeah, that's brilliant. And, and I think it's, it's so not true. easy, though, as, a, as an entrepreneur, because you're out there on your own. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and you're second guessing yourself and you're doubting. That's all part of the process, though. And it takes a takes a unique individual to do that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think the entrepreneurial mindset to me is one of my favorites because it's so growth minded and oriented towards solutions and figuring out the best, the the best solution for the time. And like you're talking about that adaptability as even as the market changes, your customer changes, technology changes, and which changes our entire business. You know, I'd say, I don't know, every Oh, do you ever notice any patterns there? Like, is it every five years, every decade? It's get it's getting quicker. It's faster yeah. and faster because the change is more rapid now, and technology it just facilitates it and it exacerbates it. So, yeah. what used to take ten years now takes you know a year or two, and so yeah. um, it's not going away, and it's just gonna you we're gonna see more of it. So, being able to stand in that environment and still be effective is critical. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Tell us, so 12-week year. So you've used this, when, this book was, I, I didn't think to look at the publication date. When was it published? Uh, I'd have to go back. 2013. 13, sounds Okay, like, yeah, and you had been yeah. using it for, when did you develop the concept of the 12-week year? Yeah, interesting story. So um, Michael Lennington and I, my business partner, were headed to a conference in financial services for managers, and we were a vendor. And we we're talking about, okay, what a shiny stuff are we going to hand out? And I'd been thinking about writing a book and even talked to some ghost authors and, you know, to kind of work that, didn't like that process. And so I said to Mike, I said, hey, why don't we just write a short format book, mm-hmm. leave out all the fluff and self-publish it. So we wrote the precursor of the 12-week year. It was called Periodization, 12 Weeks to Breakthrough. And periodization is the athletic training concept that we adapted. Um, but we wrote that thing in 12 weeks. And, and, and then we went down to Kinko's. That's how you self-publish, right? And, and it was, do we, do we print 50? Do we print 100? We didn't want to go and bring a bunch back. So big gamble. We printed 100, went to the conference, sold all of them from that, sold like 100,000 copies of that book. Wow. And then it was after that that Wiley said, hey, we'd like to publish that. We want it a little bigger. So if you look at the current book, it's in two parts. That front 64 pages is very much like the original book. Uh-huh. But, but we... We wrote that thing in 12 weeks that changed our business, changed our lives. So So incredible. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So tell listeners who haven't gotten to read the book yet, and I'm sure they will, what what are the main principles behind setting up a 12-week year? Well, the first thing you have to realize is that it's not enough to know. 
Because there's this tendency for all of us to think that it's the next big idea or there's some secret sauce out there that you're unaware of or some mm -hmm. technique or something that's going to make the difference. And, and strategies and ideas and techniques matter, knowledge matters, but none of that's the difference maker. The real difference maker is execution. Mm -hmm. right? It's not enough to know. Um, um, the marketplace only rewards those ideas that get implemented. So everything we do around the 12-week year is to help individuals and organizations perform at their best through more effective execution. And Amanda, one of the things we saw as we were working with clients, <clears throat> one of the barriers to that was the annual cycle. So everybody, January rolls around, everybody's fired up, everybody's excited, and they do their, they set their annual goals and they build their annual plan. And in some cases, they'll break it down quarterly and some even monthly and weekly. That's what we would do. And we got good results, but, but we're not getting what people are capable of. And so mm -hmm. we came across the concept called periodization, which is an athletic training process that's all about focus and overload uh, to create breakthrough. And we said, you know, that has applicability. And so we took that concept and moved beyond athletics um, to structure it where it works in a business setting and a personal setting. And that's really where the 12-week year was born. So our clients operate in the context of every 12 weeks as a year. And, and no, there aren't four of those in the year. That's annualized thinking. There's just this 12-week year followed by the next. And what that does for people is it puts a hard line in the sand every 12 weeks where you're going to measure your success or failure. So you're just more consistent then day in and day out with um, kind of acting with a healthy sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. um, and so more of the important stuff gets done. It's nothing magical. It's just less is put off, more gets done day in, day out, week in, week out. And we start to add, you know, one more week on top of one more week on top of one more week on top of one more week. In 12 weeks, it can have a huge impact. Mm -hmm. So that's the first place. The first challenge to your listeners is it's not enough to know you got to execute. The second is get out of the annual environment. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody's periodized right now because at least when we're talking here, we're, we're in October. We're coming up to the end of the, the calendar year. So but it's with a lot of stress. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. Um, right. The, the, the more you treat the 12 weeks as the year, the greater impact it has in your actions, the bigger impact on the results. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Something I notice coaching clients sometimes is there's resistance to planning. And it's that idea. You said a few things that were, that were really powerful with focus and overload and creating breakthroughs. And there's, there's something about, I think that people think that planning causes restriction and constriction sometimes, but every successful yeah. business owner I know is powerful at planning. And that periodization concept of going, okay, and, and I know, I'm pretty sure you wrote about it in the book, um, Parkinson's Law, and how the work expands to fill the time allotted. So if you have the entire yeah. year to do something, people tend to put it off, put it off, put it off, and then there's this crunch time in quarter four. So instead you go, I can start a 12-week right. period at any point in time and focus all of my attention on this project that I want to complete right. project or, you know, I don't, whatever it would be for More 12 weeks. Goal, right. Whatever the yeah. goal is. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I think, I mean, to I, me, there's you know, so I, much I power think the in reason, I think one of the reasons people are sort of um, disenfranchised with planning is because they don't execute. Yeah. So it becomes this perfunctory exercise. Every year I build a plan, I don't execute. It doesn't have an impact. Well, yeah. one, you're planning annually, which isn't, you know, we did that 90 years ago. It's not effective in today's environment. And two, most people are planning conceptually. They're not planning tactically. And so mm -hmm. concepts don't execute. So the only reason we plan with the 12-week year is because it impacts 
the implementation, but how that plan's structured, how it's written, um, has has a has a lot to do with how well you and your team can execute it. I love this. Okay, will you share with listeners if you the difference between making an ex, executable plan versus a conceptual plan? Because I think that's a very powerful point that you're making. Yeah. So first is with the twelve week year, it's all about focus. Mm-hmm. So our plans have two levels. They have goals and they have tactics. And the first thing you have to understand is the difference between goals and tactics. Goals are outcomes. Tactics are actions. We don't control the outcomes. We control the actions. So we're going to limit it at the goal level and at the tactic level. We talk about critical few, right? One goal is better than two. Two is better than three. Because, I mean, all of us have limited capacity. Doesn't matter how many people you have on your team. I mean, we work with companies that have tens of thousands of people. They still have limited capacity. And so focusing that capacity on a few areas and really moving the needle is critical. And then at the tactic level, moving beyond concepts to what we call tactics, which is a concept would be uh, in sales like cross-sell or, you know, get referrals, which are great concepts, but those don't execute. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, see a lot of, um, items about networking, you know, attending networking meetings. Those are great concepts. They're not tactics. Tactics are statements that describe an action that you can take. Mm-hmm. You know, ask for a referral three times a day. That's a tactic. That's much more granular, much more specific. It describes the action. So, so we know the magnitude of the work, and it also leaves a breadcrumb trail so that we can make <clears throat> smaller adjustments more frequently, which is one of the keys to how the 12-week year accelerates your success. Awesome. I love this. So, so practical and simple, and yet many people overlook it. I've thought about this a lot lately. You know, obviously I'm a business coach, and when I talk to people about goals, I've really been shifting the way that I think about goals, in part from reading your book and just doing a lot of goal research and thinking about how we operate and that idea of people set a goal, they beat themselves up because they don't accomplish it, and they are you know, it's almost like they become disenchanted with goals altogether. Whereas I go, well, set goals that are action based, (laughs) set goals that, that take strategic daily action instead of going, okay, yeah, you can have the vision of what you want your company to become, but how are you going to get there is through executing on action every day. So it's a really similar, I love the way that you structured it. And a lot of my thinking was framed around the reading your book. Um, So tell us, when you go into companies, what do you see some of the biggest challenges for growth, for, for, business, for organizations, for business builders, business owners? What are some of the things you're seeing right now as current yeah, trends? I, I, I think it's pretty standard in that they're all overwhelmed and diffused, mm-hmm. whether it's the solopreneur or whether it's a multi-billion dollar organization. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're chasing too many rabbits and they're mediocre at everything. And they're like the hamster on the wheel, right? They're stressed out. They're overwhelmed. They're barely moving the needle. And, um, you know, they want to take on even more. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, the part of the issue is that annual planning process almost facilitates that. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like you got all this time. Oh, we got an entire year. Yeah, we can take on a bunch of stuff. But when it comes down to executing, execution doesn't happen annually. It doesn't happen semi-annually or quarterly it happens daily it happens moment by moment and and when you come to realize that then it really forces you to think through okay i do have limited capacity you know where am i going to focus the efforts how do i be great at a few things versus mediocre at many and that's what the 12-week year is all about but the the challenge we see everywhere is just this 
just taken on too much, overwhelmed. I mean, we work with uh, one of the largest insurers in the world, and you know, we first started working with them. They've got 30 different goals they're trying to move. We're like, you're toast. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So really helping them sort through what are the two or three that are really core and instrumental in sort of bringing the rest along in the wake. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, uh, it's funny. I just, I, I love serendipitous moments. I was just reading, I'm reading the retirement miracle and you uh, have a, you, you uh, have a, the bio, I don't know what it's called. The, you know, like a, you're on here. <laughs> you're on this book. Oh, okay. I was like, how oh. cool is that? And I, I just yeah, got it yeah, yesterday yeah. and I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So it, it, when they're obviously you're what you advocate and go in and train companies on when they're overwhelmed and diffused is to implement a 12 week year. And you guys, your philosophy is that you take on only one to three. Is it three at the most? Pro goals goals at one time yeah so so here's the thing about that amanda is um it's their plan so they decide but the the rule of thumb is one's better than two mm -hmm. two's better than three when you start to get more than three our experiences no matter how many people you have on the team you're probably setting yourself up to struggle now that doesn't mean we don't have clients that said five sure especially in their first 12-week year everybody overcommits in the first 12-week year because they're used to planning annually and they really don't know about the capacity uh, that they have to execute and all the other, you know, it's not like you're going to stop all the day-to-day -day stuff. There's still going to be day-to-day -day things and right. you still need margin. So if you create a plan that consumes your entire work week, you're going to lose. I mean, there's no way, um, but that's what, that's what people do. They start out. So we don't say, Hey, you can only have three. We strongly recommend. In fact, if it's your first 12 week, have one business goal, one personal goal would be ideal. Okay. Okay. And do you typically, when you're working with companies, do you always have them do one personal as well, along with the business goals? Again, we don't force it. We encourage it though. Okay. And, and here's why, because um, oftentimes the personal goals, you have greater direct control of. Uh -huh. right? So if I want to lose weight, I don't need to get a whole team of people to buy into that. Uh -huh. So it, it often on the personal side, you can see the effects of the 12 week or sooner, which becomes more self-reinforcing. Okay. And it works equally well there. It works in building relationships, growing spiritually, building your health, um, family, what, whatever. So yeah, that's yeah, great. Cool. I like that. I like that that self, you know, creates the loop of confidence where you go, okay, now I, I'm actually creating this in my personal life. I, I can do it in my business as well. I can do it with every area. Right. That's awesome. Um, Oh, shoot. I just lost my thought. I wanted to ask you, oh, tracking. You were talking about the power of measuring. Can we talk a little bit about tracking and how important that is when you're creating a 12-week year? Yeah, it's important. And any, anything um, where you're trying to accomplish a goal, um, you know, the measurement piece, the, the challenge with that is most people have a lot of head trash about measurement <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, what it is and what it isn't. And at some point, all of us, you know, measurement's been used to trigger negative consequences. So there's this, oftentimes we shy away from it. Um, it doesn't always look the way we want. So it doesn't always feel good when we look at it. So again, there's this tendency to, well, I'll just kind of ignore it. But mm -hmm. when you do, you're handicapping yourself. And so, you know, there are, there are lead and lag indicators that people need to track. Again, we're looking for the critical few. Most businesses can identify 15 or 20 or more. We're looking for the three or four or five, mm -hmm. right? What are the things that are most important? Um, but the most powerful measure you have is the measure of your execution. 
because again, we control the actions, not the outcomes. So we track the outcomes, we score the execution. Mm. And it's in the combination of those two measures that really tells the story and allows you to pinpoint where the breakdown is and where the adjustment needs to be made. And by the way, um, the breakdown's in one of two places. It's either in the plan or it's in the execution. And 80% of the time or greater, it's the execution. But most mm -hmm. people change the plan. You know? so, so with the 12-week year, you'll know where the breakdown is. And that, that's what allows you to make those adjustments sooner and, and really ramp up the, um, the success fast. Mm. That's so powerful. Okay. So you said, you said the tracking of the outcomes and the scoring of yeah. the execution. So give us, yeah. what's a, give me a practical example of what that looks like, how you're tracking that and, and scoring it. Yeah. So we have, we have an online tool called achieve that you'll set up your vision, you build your plan. It'll create a weekly plan. It, it'll help you. It'll have you score your execution. We also are coming out with a planner. If you like the paper system, same thing. But what you'll do, let's say, um, so let's say I got a sales goal and I got a weight loss goal, right? One business, mm -hmm. one personal. I'm probably going to track my sales. I might track some lead indicators like proposals or quotes or referrals, things like that. I'm going to track pounds lost, right? So those are tracking outcomes. Gotcha. I'm going to score my execution, which means every week I'm going to go in and in our system, you're going to check off what got done and the system's going to calculate a score between zero and hundred percent. If you're doing it on a legal pad, just do the math. Yeah. And right? if you got seven of the 10 things done, 70%. Now, here's the thing though, that, that weekly plan doesn't have everything you do. It's just what's due this week in the 12 week plan. Okay. So by default, it's the most important stuff. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be perfect. Typically, if you're 80 plus percent, you'll accomplish the 12 week goals. Okay. Um, th that said, the average person probably scores around 65%. Mm -hmm. which, you know, in academia, you're thinking loser, but on the system, you'll do well. You just, yeah. you won't do what you're capable of, but you'll still do well at that. Yeah. But well, it's a combination imagine. of understanding, am I, to what degree am I doing what I said I needed to do? Yeah. And is it producing what I thought it would? Yeah. That's the combo of those measures. I, I would imagine too, that as people go through 12 week years and get better and better at it, they're better. They become more astute at gauging what they're capable of doing in 12 weeks and pushing themselves to that stretch zone. Do you notice that? Yep. Yep. So usually what happens, people starting out is they'll take an annual goal and divide it by four. Uh -huh. Right. Which, which honestly is limiting. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got a call from a client and um, it was in September and she said, look, um, I'm calling it, just got off the phone with my boss. I hit my annual goal. I'll probably double it by the end of December. This was last year and she did, right? Uh -huh. Had she just taken her goal and divided by four, that would have never happened. But because people are so annualized, that's what they do. Yeah. Once you get rolling with, with the 12 week year system, you'll, you'll emphasize and, and pay more attention to what's been the trend from the last few 12 week years, right? What's the best 12 weeks you've ever had? what what would great look like this 12 weeks and so mm -hmm. because you build the momentum you build the confidence and now you've got this system that is kind of tracking that progress for you you'll be able to set a better goal mm -hmm. Mm, that's great. This is good stuff. I hope that you are all taking notes and, <laughs> and writing down what yeah. you're saying, because this is very, very powerful. I mean, I see it as such an incredible way to execute on business. It, and really, it, you know, when you were talking about how the, oh, I want to I look at my notes here because I liked the wording that you used. You were talking about the breakdown. It's either a breakdown in the plan or the execution, and that it's not ever that we don't know enough. It's about the execution. And so, you know, yeah. this, this book and your, your 
the, the system that you've created is very powerful for execution. And so um, thank you so much for all these tips. Um, what would you say for you have, have been your top three max potential habits that have gotten you where you are today? Great question. Um, one is I'm, I'm always hungry to learn. And I don't know, that, 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 was, that started when I was a kid. So all I've had to do is kind of feed that um, for, for whatever the reason it was kind of in my DNA. And um, so I'm always hungry to learn. I'm always learning new things. I'm always trying new things. Um, I, I'd say the other habit is I'm very connected to my vision. And mm -hmm. when we do vision work with the 12-week year, we don't just do it around your business. We start with your life because business is part of life. So there's an emotional connection to what I'm doing Monday through Friday and the life I want to live. Um, the other one is just, just understanding that there's a price to pay. Anything worthwhile takes effort. So I've been willing to pay that price on a daily basis. Now, I'm not, you know, it sounds like I'm the superhero. I'm not. I, I, I don't execute perfectly. Um, there's weeks I stumble. But um, week in, week out, day in, day out, you know, I'm clear on the fact that, look, if I want to live this life, I have to do these things, whatever that takes. If I want to be healthy, I got to go to the gym. I got I to gotta eat better. And it's not, it's not going from one diet to the next. It's not going from, you know, South Beach to paleo to keto. It's about daily habit. It's the daily mundane, if you will. Yeah. And, and so I've been, um, I've been clear on that. And, and I think, you know, willing to pay that price on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, that's so powerful. So yeah, I, I, before we got on, I don't know if I, you got to hear some of my, read some of my backstory, but I went from food stamps to six figures in the last three years. <clears throat> And I have really shifted my values toward wealth building through my business. So I see business as a vehicle to build wealth, to have, you know, flexibility, freedom, all these different things. And yet a lot of people I've noticed will say, you know, if you are standing in a room with a whole bunch of people and they, you ask, you know, do you want financial freedom? I'll, I'll, pretty much every person will raise their hand. But then when you ask them if they're willing to pay the price <laughs> and execute on it, a lot more hands go down, which is evidenced by them not actually ever getting to that place. And I think that w one of my favorite mantras is uh, with great wealth comes great responsibility and I embrace both. And it's this idea like you're talking about, like it takes effort. It takes work. Yes, you can create a really lucrative business, but you you sacrifice some of those ideas that I think people step into building a business for. They think like, Oh, I'll work on the beach and I'll do this, that and the other. And if you're really treating your business like a business, you're not focused on the lifestyle freedom. You're focused on making an impact. I think I'm curious. What you yeah, think I agree that. with you. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to really succeed at business, it's because you've helped people. Yeah. You, you look at, you know, now there are some people that have bamboozled and cheated and whatnot, but those are few and far between. If you're going to, if you're going to re be rewarded in businesses because you're making a difference for people. It's, um, I think it was Walter Williams that said, you know, look at a dollar bill. That's a certificate of performance, <laughs> which I, lo I love that thought, right? It That's says, awesome. hey, you, you, you did something worthwhile. You, you know, wh why does yeah. Bill Gates, why does he as wealthy as he is? Because he created something that people wanted and people use and, and, uh, millions and millions of people. And, yeah. and so the, the aspect of business that makes it noble, that makes it um, really a, a, a quest that's, that's in, in my mind, really honorable is the fact that if you're going to be successful, 
you got to help others. That's yeah. how you make it in business. <laughs> yeah, definitely that exchange of value. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I clearly, your book is one of my favorites in terms of execution. I've recommended it to a lot of people. What would you say is one of your favorite books that you would recommend to listeners? Wow. Um, there's a lot. It, de it depends on, um, you know, kind of what, what you're going after. Yeah. Um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways by Susan Jeffers. I don't know if it's I think it's still in print. It's a phenomenal book. Hmm. It talks about um, the difference between very successful people and the rest of the folks and that they, they both feel fear when they're out doing something new, but mm -hmm. the successful ones feel it and do it anyway. So it's, it's just a great book to help you understand that, um, you know, when you, anytime you're trying something new, it doesn't matter how successful you are, there's going to be discomfort with that. And don't let that stop you. Right, because I think sometimes when you start to feel that, you go, oh, maybe this isn't right for me or maybe I'm not right for this or whatever. It's part of the process. And so I love, love that, that book. That sounds incredible. I actually haven't heard of that one before. Yeah. I'm going to check that one out. And it's, so it's feel the fear and do it anyways. Um, yep. Okay. Yep. What tell, I am certain that people are going to want to read your book and check into you and your system and offerings you have. So share with listeners where they can find you. 12weekyear.com. One two week um, You can get a book, our book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble as well. So that, that's okay. easy. But uh, that's yeah. And so would you we, say uh, that's the best way to plug into all of the all of your offerings? Um, it's a great start. You, okay. You, you know, you'll get the concept, and it either resonates with you or it doesn't. Um, from there, we offer everything from um, you know an Achieve Power Pack, which is an online. Um, training videos and access to our software for under $300 to one-on-one -on -one coaching to training done for you. As I mentioned, we've got the new planner coming out. So all kinds of different resources at different price points at different, depending on how you want to engage and to what degree you want to engage, right? If you want to dabble, we got stuff for dabblers. If you want to go all in, we got stuff for people that want to nice. go all in. Okay. Awesome. And you know, I, uh, so I have his book obviously, and he's, he's Brian's here on the podcast and I get a weekly email from you as well. And I watch all your videos. So lots of great tips there. So for listeners, if you want to connect, plug in, get on the mailing list and Brian offers a weekly video giving business performance tips. It's really useful. Um, okay. Last, last piece of advice. What would your greatest piece of advice be for business owners? Well, no pressure there, right? Your greatest piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're on your deathbed and you get to share this one wisdom, this nugget. <laughs> yeah. So what I'll tell you is I, I, I would probably go to a, a principle we talk about in the book called Greatness in the Moment. And this realization that life is lived in the moment, that really that's all we have. One minute ago is gone. It's a memory. The future's not here. You know, I talk about how the hourglass is a great metaphor, and I have one in my office. The sand at the bottom is the past. It exists only as a memory. The sand at the top is the future. God willing, we get to live that worst life lived. It's one grain at a time, one moment at a time. And the more you can be present and the more you can be purposeful and intentional in that moment, the richer life is. Mm, that's awesome. I wish, I wish I could give you a giant high five in person right now. I love that. That's incredible. Thank you so much for being here, Brian. It's been very, very value filled. I hopefully will get to meet you in person at some point and I just appreciate you being here. So with that, I'm going to sign off. I thank you audience for being here. 
give us some comments, do some hashtags, spread the word, NFA coaching for the hashtag. If you want to share, share your favorite takeaway tip from today's podcast. And I will be back next week. I hope you have an incredible week where you thrive and feel alive.